Aaron Rodgers' season is officially over. But yours has just begun with my bookie. NFL College Ball, brand new cash out system that gives you the best options to win all season long. You hit the first two legs of your parlay, guess what? You can cash out early, place another bet, or let it ride for a bigger payday. Join us the entire season at mybookie.ag, or you can scan the QR code right next to me. The link is in the description of this video and or podcast, however you're watching or listening. But... Right now, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Use promo code 49ers49ERS on your first deposit of 50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly credited to your MyBookie account. That's 49ERS, that's the promo code, to claim your bonus now. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, and I mean anywhere. You can bet anywhere. I've lived in California for eight years. Bet anywhere. I mean it. Head over there with... My bookie. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the 49 Carrots Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carrots Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Wednesday, September 20th. The 49ers are just days removed from their win in L.A., but are in prep mode now for a quick turnaround Thursday night football game against the Giants. Joining me to talk about both games today is John Chapman and Wayne Breezy. How you guys feeling on this fine morning? I'm pumped. I'm <laughs> pumped. We get 49ers football back-to-back. Quick turnaround. Um, I know we're going to break down that first game in, in L.A. before we get to the Giants game. But, listen, I felt like the 49ers left a lot of stuff out there on the football field. They weren't too happy. Uh, they got the win. They got out of L.A. But guess what? They're going home to a place where they belong. They are at hey, they, home. They were I'm already home. Excited. Good point. They were already home. And leave you us just out. took away. It- Did you just hold up? Did you just shut up? Out my Chris Daltrey, like <laughs> so. Low. I was really feeling the Daltrey uh, band. Uh, I mean, someone had to do it. Okay, all right. <laughs> I was feeling my American Idol days, but go ahead. I'd give you a golden ticket. You go. You went to Hollywood. We went to Hollywood. Yep. We won. Hollywood in swinging, Hollywood. baby. Yeah. And now we got not one, not two, but three home games in a row. So excited to be with you guys. And here's the thing that's crazy to me is you know going through all the tape. There's a lot of things to be frustrated about. We're going to talk about a lot of those. But to walk out of that 2-0, and to walk out of that relatively healthy, I'm sure we'll get into some of that, and to have all these coaching points to work on after winning games, that's the right side of the coaching world that you want to be on. So if you're Kyle Shanahan, if you're Steve Wilkes, if you're any of those 49ers coaches, you're like, man, this is best of both worlds because we've won, but we got some stuff we can improve on. So this idea of like you know being complacent or whatever else, Nah, that, I'm not buying into that. So I'm excited about the opportunity ahead of the Niners to not only, you know, again, remain atop the NFC West, but to improve. Because it's not about who you are now. It's about who we're going to be in the postseason, and the Niners are on that trajectory. Yeah, the, this team is is different. They, they're playing with a different kind of juice. They could beat you in so many different ways. And dating back to last season, the 49ers have now won 12 straight regular season games. Uh, first time they've done that since 1989, uh, 1990. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. I, I think I did this, not know this, that. Team is, this team is looking generational. 
if they can go the distance, right? Like, I think that's like the big caveat for this team. Like, we know it has all this talent, but we're waiting. We're waiting for them to go where we expect them to go. I know it's just week two, so let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. But I think a few of the guys, at least on offense, that have transformed this team um, just enough that I personally think it could put them over the edge or help at least. It's Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy, right? And CMC had a great game on Sunday. Uh, we probably don't even need to mention too much of that. He has a great game like pretty much every week. Uh, and Purdy had a fine game. But by the standard that we've been so accustomed to with Purdy, it was maybe like a notch or two below that, right? And like it's not often you see him miss a gimme throw, much less three in one game all deeper downfield, two could have gone for touchdowns. I know we were all disappointed. We didn't see those fall. He seemed disappointed. But I'm not taking that game and saying to myself, see, this is why I was skeptical about Purdy. And I understand people who, like, you know, still aren't ready to crown him as this team's franchise quarterback. I I totally understand that. That's fair. It makes sense. He's only played 10 or 11 games. But for that same reason, I look at those throws and I think to myself, He's going to work on those and he'll he'll hit those eventually, you know, sometime later this season, probably. So it really depends where your bias maybe was already sort of leaning. I'm one of the optimistic Purdy fans because I see some of the intangibles that he has that I think you need in order to be a good quarterback in this league and a quarterback who can improve. And I think that's important for for Purdy and this team. I, I, yeah, you look at the leaders in the entire NFL and QBR, which, you know, again, there's flawed systems and all these different ratings. It's Brock Purdy. He's number one for any quarterback that's played this year. And so th there's ways to win games and there's ways to lose games. And I feel like we have gotten an absolute, I don't know, TED Talk or like whatever masterclass in that with Nick Mullins to Jimmy G to where we are now because each one of those players brings different tools. But now we have somebody that is not costing the 49ers games. And if that was quote unquote a bad game, good Lord, let's get some more bad games from Brock Purdy because with this defense and this offense and this coaching staff, you're just fine. And everybody wants to talk about the three passes he missed. Why not the two deep passes he hit? The the leak route to Jenny, yeah, that one's nice. That shoulder fade was perfect. The deep pylon throw to Debo, which was a pass interference call, led to a touchdown right before the half. Like it's not like he was 0-4, and I know that people want to throw that out there. He wasn't. I, I think if you're looking at the deep passes, he was two for five. Is is there something to be critical about there? Sure, but it'd be different if he showed up at the podium and was like, yeah. You know, sometimes this was the issue and I thought this, but, you know, it didn't happen that way. No, he gets up there and says, I got to be better. I got to be better. And so this is, again, back to what I said earlier. You got all of the royalties. You got the win. You're in first place, but you still got things to work on. This is best of both worlds, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I mean, I, I look at Brock Purdy and he, the, the, the moment he, he stepped into the game, uh, you know, back in that Miami game, I was a little skeptical. I didn't think he had great performance in the preseason. And then he just showed you in that Miami game he had something, right? He had something special. And it's called the it factor. And and the question was, will Kyle continue to allow him to play the way he needs to play so that he can continue to show the it factor? Now he's getting face with these defenses that have film on him and he has to kind of like amend the it factor and the thing that i i'm gonna be, i'm gonna be the first to say he has to hit those throws i'm gonna be the first to also say damn it brock do it more often the only reason why he's missing those throws is because he ha he hasn't been attempting them i know he's been working on them in in, in uh training camp and things like that but I want to see Brock dial it up. My God, the dude got an arm. I didn't even think he can throw the ball that far down the field. And then coming off of this UCL uh, injury, I didn't think he was going to be able to throw the ball down the field. And now all of a sudden he's low. Let me just explain to everybody out there that doesn't understand football. The first thing that Brock notices is man coverage. But in for order him to notice that, he's going through his progressions. Nope, nope, yup. Ding, 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 ding. And see, he's been doing that, right? We got to give the offensive line some damn credit for now blocking 
for Brock Purdy so that he can attempt those throws down the field. And I'm going to tell you right now, the offensive line, if it continues to trend upwards, they give up zero sacks too, by the way. And if Brock Purdy continues to take those shots down the field and if the wide receivers continue to run routes the way they were running them, because I want to talk about those three routes. Those three routes were amazing, right? Uh, this is this is only going to go up and up and up. And now the 49ers will unleash another level in which Kyle Shanahan was trying or attempting to do with some of the other quarterbacks he had under his regime. I I know that we're disappointed he didn't hit those, but I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't have even attempted them. Right. So like we want to see more out of Brock, but I think I'm also pleased that at least we're seeing those be attempted. That's what I'm saying. With. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and like, I, I think we expect that those he'll eventually hit them too. Right. Yeah. The, the more the more he works on it, the more like according to him, the more he reps it, the more he's going to get the continuity with his wide receivers and and understand like, OK, I could put a little bit more touch on this or I, I see him wide open. Here it is. Boom. That's all it is. It was just timing. Like he made the right throw. Excuse me. He made the right read. He made the right throw. It was just an overthrow, mm -hmm. which would have walked in for touchdowns. So I think that's why everybody is like oh man that was a, in a close game too yeah mm -hmm. yeah and i think with these things too you if you look at these overthrows and they're bad i'm not i'm trying to say like it's i'm trying to find the silver lining but yeah. he didn't put the ball in jeopardy one time there are eight quarterbacks in the nfl that haven't thrown an interception yet and brock's one of those and so look if you're going to be wrong you want to be long. That's the rule you teach quarterbacks. Like, yeah. look, if you're throwing the deep ball, if you're long, you're never wrong because we can live to play again. If you're short or if you're inside or if you're outside, that's interception. The ball's in, you know, jeopardy. The ball was never even close to being put in jeopardy. And so, yeah, we're going to work on those things. And I think a lot of it, you know, especially on the depot, um, deep, the, the, the sluggo that he ran, I think it was like, you don't even have to throw it as far. You can throw it out in front of them. Front and of so them, yeah. it's not about airing it out, which he showed he could do a little too well. Like you could just put that ball in front of him. Where's the trajectory? You've got a trailing corner or a safety behind him. You don't have to put it over the top, and that's just a tougher catch, tougher throw. You put it out in front. Where is he going? Lead him into the open pastures, and then you're going to have good things. Now, the IU play, that's different, and the Jennings play, that's different. But all three of those throws, yeah, they're deep throws, but they're a different classification. Um, each one of them is a different skill set when you're trying to hit those pockets. But, again, we saw him hit a couple of them. And so constantly going back to that, it's not like he's never hit them. He hit to this game. And so we'll see. And if you can add that element to the game, here's the thing that's crazy to me. The Niners are averaging the most rush yards per attempt. I can't remember – the last time the Niners did that because everybody crowds the box against us. If Brock's throwing five deep balls a game, like That's he did this point. game. That's it. Can't crowd the box. It, it, opens, the box. Yeah, it, it opens everything up and, and not just, okay. Like he hasn't been hitting the deep throws or the ones we want. He, we wanted him to hit, but he's been money in the intermediate levels of the field. Right. Oh yeah. Um, on Sunday, game. he was four for four on throws between 10 and 19 yards, 67 yards. Um, in his short season, two games, right? Short sample size, but he's 13 of 14 in that range, 209 yards. Um, in his career, he's 50 of 60 on such throws, good for an 83.3 completion percentage. That's crazy. 846 yards, four touchdowns. He also has two interceptions there, but it's usually a crowded area, so I think that's that's why we, we see some interceptions there. Jimmy had that same sort of issue, but... So far this year, no interceptions for Brock. That's a good sign. Um, I do think that part of the game plan for not just the 49ers, but also the Rams, it was to get the ball out quickly, right? So Stafford's time to throw was 2.57. That was, I believe, eighth or ninth fastest. Brock Purdy was 2.41. That was fourth fastest in week two. So I kind of wonder if, you know, maybe the – slight inaccuracy that we saw because that's not usually a thing we see with Purdy, but maybe it had something to do with him feeling like he needed to get the ball out quickly, maybe not setting his feet. I don't, I don't really know, but you know, we saw a lot of uh, quick passes in this game and you know, part of that was because Aaron Donald, you have to account for him. So 
Um, if we're being real, he was probably the only concern on that Rams defense. So, of course, getting the ball out quickly helped the offensive line as well um, as much as it did Purdy. But I want to give credit to these guys because they did look improved in week two. We were worried about that right side of the line. I don't care what PFF says about Spencer Burford. He wasn't perfect, okay, but he wasn't that bad. They gave my guy a 0.0 score. Like, could you even is that even possible? Like, he no. didn't look that bad, okay? As for Colton McKivitt, it was a nice little redemption game for him, too. He allowed just one quarterback hit and one pressure Rams ended up with just five pressures all game. Donald had zero sacks, zero tackles. They double teamed him 55% of the time. And I saw a video, I think like the NFL even posted it on their Instagram. They were they triple teamed him at one point. Uh, they had that boy in hell. Uh, so there's reasons to be optimistic about this offensive line, I think, as they gel and as they get more time together. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I counted six one-on-one reps um, of Burford on Donald in the first half, and I counted, I think, seven in the second half. Shout-out to my man Gregory D over on Patreon. Um, and, and so, like, it's not like – yeah, they double-teamed and triple-teamed him a lot. They definitely did. And when Shanahan was asked about it, he said, yeah, we're, we account for him on every play, and we're giving everything we can to him. But they weren't on every play. A lot of plays they were. And so – it's not like, yeah, Donald's amazing. I get it. This Donald, this 99, whenever I watched the tape, I was like, that's not 99. That, that's not five years ago, Aaron Donald. Right. Is he still great? Would he be probably our best defensive tackle? Probably, probably. But it's a different game now, and he's getting older. I'm not sure what he's playing for. We'll see. Um, you know, and I think it's hilarious that every single one of his worst games in his career, the top five worst games, are all against the red and gold. So uh, that makes me very, very pleased. I, I don't know about you guys. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or fight for home playoff court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. And Prize Picks even offers injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players get injured. For basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player projection won't count against you and the rest of your entry stays live. There's lots of bets. Stephen Curry, over 27.5 points. Draymond Green, will he make one three-pointer or no? Very easy things to bet. Download the app today and use code 49ers for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the Prize Picks app today and use code 49ers for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, I wouldn't say that he's not the same 99. I mean, he's pretty dominant against the other teams in the NFL. It's just something about the 49ers yeah. that find a way to sit and put him in the icebox to where he's not as dominant. And you can call it scheme. You can call it doubles. You can call it whatever you want. They're going to make sure every time they play the Rams, somebody else has got to beat them, right? And somebody else has got to beat them. And the only sack like that we did give up because I think I said we didn't give up any sacks. And I don't really count this as giving up a sack. It was zero yards. Right. It was, but, but, but I was told the rule is if it's a pass play and it's at the line or behind, uh -huh. it's considered a sack. If it was a design run, it would have been a, a tackle for no gain. Yeah, I think Purdy got screwed because I think he should have had a touchdown pass to Debo, and I think that shouldn't have been a sack. I I, I, I agree with you, but, I mean, who are we, you know? <laughs> but at the end of the day, that was Byron Young. That was the kid that I liked coming out of uh, the Senior did. Bowl. You were big on him. Right. Anyway, fast guy, 
ran him down, was able to get tackled. That was the only sack. That was it. I thought the offensive line was night and day, uh, especially that right side. And, you know, a lot of people felt like Colton McKivitz wasn't going to be this, wasn't going to be that. He did it against one of the best defensive tackles known to play this game, as well as Spencer Burford. So at the end of the day, we got to give this offensive line some credit, and I only see it going up and up. Again, these are these are the narratives we're trying to change, right? All right, so we struggled week one. Cool, first week in football. All right, no problem. T.J. Watt is a different motor, different monster out there on the, uh, on the outside. When you're looking at Aaron Donald, they lined him up on the outside, too. You can count the snaps. They lined him up on the inside. He just he had, he had one pressure, one out of a whole game. So I think the offensive line is trending up. And, Steph, it could be what was causing the timing from Brock Purdy. You know, I never thought about that. All I know is he let it rip. And by letting it rip, could have been a timing thing which is something that i stated earlier so we're gonna we're trending up uh, and i love it mm-hmm. I, and i know we were more focused on the right side of the line just because going into that game we were a little more worried about them but credit to aaron banks man yeah he balled he out is, no pressures no sacks no nothing through two weeks through two wow. weeks he's played 125 snaps this year at left guard zero penalties zero quarterback hits zero pressure zero sacks allowed can, oh, that, I need you to clip this for working. me. You ready, Steph? I want you to clip this. All right. E at EA Madden NFL, right? Madden, I need you to tune up Aaron Banks per Steph Sanchez, Wayne Breezy, and John Chapman. You got to tune him up. Did you hear what she just said? Say it one more time. We're going to clip this together. 60 seconds. I'm going to put it out. Go. All right. Zero penalties, <laughs> zero quarterback hits, zero pressures, and zero sacks allowed by Aaron Banks in the 125 snaps that he has played at left guard. Okay. And the reason why you need to tune it up is because every time I play Madden, his ass is getting beat on every play, <laughs> and he ain't that bad. Not according to them stats. All right. I'm sorry. See, the problem is you're playing Madden. From, from everything I've heard, is the it's, it's not, not a, it's not it's great. It's, it's not a bad game. You know, you got your you got your gamers that are just like love to game. Then you got your football minds, and then you got people that just want to play damn football, and that's me. So, you, if you find yourself in one of those three categories, cool. I get why people don't like Madden, but I get why people still love to play it. That's but tune up fair. Aaron Banks. But, that but that's my up. point. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. Like, yeah. And Brock Purdy, too. Nope. You know, I yeah. said after week one, I thought Banks played incredible. And I was like, man, if 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 he could keep stacking games like this, this is after week one. Pro Bowl is definitely on the horizon. Good lord. He takes week one and then steps up his game even better. Week two. It's weird because do y'all remember when Lakin left and I love Lakin Tomlinson. He's incredible, but everybody was really, really upset. Then we draft Aaron Banks since all year. Everybody's more upset. Now it's just like, good Lord, this dude. I think he's closer to Trent Williams than he is. Some of the other guys on this line. Yeah. That left. And it could partly be him benefiting from being right yeah, absolutely. next to Trent Williams, yeah. you know, I just feel like Trent, if you're going to play next to him, because Lakin Tomlinson, I felt like was better after they started getting, after they started gelling, Tomlinson became a, a pro bowler. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So, you know, lucky, luckily for Aaron Banks, he's able to line up on Trent's side. Um, but I just feel like even last year, he was making strides of being a great guard in the NFL, and then he just ran out of some type of gas. Like, whatever the gas he was on, it, you saw him started to dwindle down. I don't think we're going to get that this year from Aaron Banks. He's in much better shape. He looks different. He looks really good. And that was some some of the things that they said about him in the offseason, too, that he looked more in shape. So I don't think we'll see that from him this year either. Um, but I want to talk about another guy on the other side of the trenches here. People have been talking crazy about Nick Bosa this week. Oh, After man. another game with no sacks, they're calling him a ghost. But if we may shed some light and some truth to the situation, you might come out of it feeling a bit more optimistic about the outlook of Bosa and this defensive line as a whole. Look, teams know how dangerous Nick Bosa is to their offensive line, to their quarterback, to their entire game plan. And you want to know how I know? 
in week one, Pittsburgh double teamed him 43.5% of his pass rush attempts. He had only practiced with the team for a few days before that game. So I like it was that's, two. That maybe seemed like, a, yeah, it, it was, <laughs> it was not a lot. So maybe a bit of a overcorrection on the Steelers part, but they were terrified of him and, and Pickett is not a good quarterback. Uh, so other guys on the defensive line were able to eat by, by virtue of, you know, him getting double teamed. Hargrave got double teamed a ton in that game too. In week two, Rams double teamed him 37.2% of his pass rush attempts. We did see Bosa come alive in the second half. He got close a couple of times. I know that getting close to a sack is not a sack. Credit to Matthew Stafford, though, who he is still a top 10 quarterback in this league. He looks more comfortable than he did last year. He was getting the ball out quickly and doing his part to neutralize the 49ers pass rush. Okay, that's what you got to do as a quarterback. You got to help yourself out. Stafford did that. Bosa still ended up with five pressures and three quarterback hits. That impacts games. I, I know we expected a big game from Bosa on Sunday. Last week, Wayne, like you predicted two sacks for him. So I'll start with you here. How are you feeling about the lack of sacks through two games? I I mean, the context is there. Uh, at the end at the end of the day, his his job is to apply pressure. Sacks are the bonus. That's like the icing on the cake. Do I want him to get sacks? Absolutely. Do I expect him to get sacks? For sure. That's what he does. He did it last year. I expect him to do it again this year. That's like asking me, do I expect Brock Purdy to throw a touchdown when he goes out there in the game? I do expect it. Will it happen? Well, that comes down to game plan and things like that. I will say this, though. Nick Bosa is getting more into more football shape each and every game uh, because his presence out there on the football field and the pressures that he was providing after being held around the neck about each and every time he was trying to come around the edge is ridiculous. But I, I just feel like the sacks are going to come uh, and, and we just got to sit back, be patient and let it to develop. As long as the pressures is there. Speaking of that, that's one of my keys to victory this week. Just keep continue to find a way to apply pressure pressure does so many things other than i like sacks because now you're going to get yards lost right and it's going to force mm -hmm. offenses to to kind of figure out how to make up some of those yards so that's what the sacks do but what the pressures do is they can force quarterbacks to make mistakes and making mistakes is where the interceptions and the fumbalooskis and all that type of stuff happens and so like look it's all part of Sacks are part of pressures, right? So it's all cohesive. It all goes together. And I still think Nick Bosa is going to get not one, not two, not three, but four sacks against the Giants. I'm going to stand on my ground. You act, I ain't crazy. I just, I just, I'm breezy. Four, four. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. And I hope you're right. We look at Nick Bosa last year. He didn't have back-to-back -back games with zero sacks uh, once. Didn't do it one time last year. So here we are now. But again, Sacks are the most difficult stat to replicate. They are not the truest measure of effectiveness in a pass rush. Uh, that's not what it is. It doesn't measure the impact. Yeah, sacks are important, but so are fourth down stops, which he had one. Uh, so are quarterback hits. In the second half, whenever he was left one-on-one, -on -one, the average release time was 1.59 seconds. Like, what are you supposed to do with that time? And so they understood, look, we're going to one-on-one Bosa, get the ball out quick. We don't care about anything else. Just get the ball out. So if a team's got to scheme that hard against them, that opens opportunities for everybody else. And that's what we continue to see. Uh, yeah, I want the sacks to go up. Yes, I want all those things to go up. But Bosa's a beast. He, he was the fourth highest rated player on PFF, if you care about that, uh, for offense or defense in all of the NFL last week. Like, he was still beyond impactful. You just can't put all your weight into just sacks, which I feel like so many people just look at the stats. And I kept getting all these DMs. Where's Bosa? Where's Bosa? And I was like, watch the damn game. He's making plays. He's impacted yeah. every single drive. Like, life is about and defense is about way more than sacks. Yeah, and through two weeks, Bosa leads the league in, in pass rush win rate um, at 29.7%. And it's not even just Bosa. Like, the interior yeah. of this defensive line is making its presence felt as well. Yeah. Armstead has always been credited for being that guy, right? I mean, I know some of the casuals, if I might say, don't appreciate what Armstead does for the interior and for this defensive line, but he has always been disruptive. Now he has a tag teamer in Javon Hargrave, 
In fact, the 49ers have three players inside the top 15 for quarterback pressures among defensive tackles. Javon Hargrave is ranked seventh with eight pressures. Eric Armstead is tied 13th with six. And you want to know who's tied with him? Javon Kinlaw. <laughs> tied 13th with six through two weeks. Kinlaw has six pressures, six hurries in just 31 passing down snaps. Of course, he's playing that reduced role, but it seems to be paying off for him. Uh, you know, he doesn't have to hold the weight of, you know, being the starter out there and the 49ers depending on him to make all these plays. Now in a, you know, rotation that he's in, it seems to be benefiting him as well as the 49ers. Yeah, it, I think you're saying it, that the defense is doing their job, the defensive line in particular. And again, you know, if a team's going to come out and scheme, we're going to get the ball out quick, 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 all the first half. What happened in the second half? We changed our scheme. We changed it. We went to a cover two man on certain passing downs, jumped routes. That's how we got a, one of the interceptions with um, Demo. Like, that's the thing. That's fine. You want to nickel and dime us all the way down the field, that might work for two or three drives, which it did for them. Mm -hmm. Second half came out. No, they had one genuine drive that led to points, uh, and it was a field goal. Then you had a Bush League field goal at the end of the thing. Uh, McVay bet against the spread, and so he was trying to make his money back. Um, but outside of that, like he it, should be suspended. I man, I went back and rewatched it, and I heard what he said about you know this is was our mindset and blah, dude. One hundred percent incorrect. You got to kick a field goal. He had a chance to kick a field goal earlier, but I digress. They're they're a Mickey Mouse freaking franchise. I don't I don't care. I don't care anyway. <laughs> Look, you got to get me going down a whole rant. Fifty six. Total pressures in two games. 56 total pressures in two games. That lets me know that the pressure is there and they're trying to just, they're basically trying to generate it with the four up front, right? Without the mm -hmm. overuse of the blitz. And John said, look, Steve Wilkes, he got my game ball because he definitely made the adjustment. John saw cover two, man. I saw some cover one. Like, it it, it was what they needed to do to force Matthew Stafford to hold on to the ball long enough to try to get the ball down the field, to force those interceptions, uh, Diamond Lenore and uh, um, Isaiah Oliver, that they were able to get. And so, like, that's what Steve Wilkes is going to bring to this team. But the pressure up front is what kind of like set the tone. The blitz by Mooney Ward got to make that tackle, right? That that cornerback uh, blitz was got to keep him in. You got to keep him in the pocket, man. I don't know what he got to do, yeah, but you got to don't dive and miss him. At the wrong hip. You can't shoot the inside hip on an shoot outside. Shoot the outside hit, hip. Man. Grab the ankle, roll it up like a fruit <laughs> roll up, and call it a day. I don't know, but he's got to make that. But. Fred Warner gets his blitz. He wins on his. They blitz at least, I think, four, maybe four times in that second half, four to five times. I saw some blitzes um, that they tried to dial up. So Steve Steve Wilkes is going to continue to grow as well. Like, he, you could tell, like, he trusts certain players on his team. It's like having that NOS button. I need to push this button. I'm going to push it right now. We need to stop. Fred, go get him. And he gets untouched, and boom, he knows how to tackle the quarterback. So, look. The Niners defense, the pressures are there. Will the sacks come? Absolutely. Uh, I don't like, I don't think that the Giants offensive line is that great of awesome. They're kind of re reminiscent of the Steelers offensive line. And we got five sacks in that game. So I'm not saying we're going to get five or more, but Bosa's getting four of them joints because I can <laughs> just feel it. I can feel it. Look, it's just You're manifesting it's just, it. You got to manifest it. Absolutely. Point. I can feel it, though. It's time. Like, he's going to make up for the first two games. So, if he gets yeah. four this game, it's like one and a half each game or some junk like that. I know my math ain't mathing, but I know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, 56 pressures, as you mentioned, in the first two weeks, 27 on Sunday. Um, and so, it might be a tough day for Daniel Jones on Thursday. So, let's get into the latest news leading up to uh, tomorrow's game. The 49ers signed former Cowboys cornerback Anthony Brown. Uh, that was after placing Samuel Womack on injured reserve. I don't know too much about Anthony Brown, but I do know that prior to him, uh, his season ending with a torn Achilles, he started 11 games for the Cowboys. Now he's coming into this 49ers team as a backup. So that's that's not bad 
for the 49ers, I mean, you're pretty much swapping Womack for Anthony Brown. Um, and so you're getting a guy with a little bit more experience. They also looked into Bradley Roby and I haven't talked about this in any of my podcasts yet, but I mentioned it on Twitter. Quantrez Knight, man, he got poached by the Arizona Cardinals. What? That's like the third 49er that ended up on the Cardinals, man. I am happy for him, though, because he's probably going to get a shot at, you know, a starting opportunity maybe sooner than he would with the 49ers. So shout out Quantrez Knight. But I was really hoping that they would. Yeah, I I was really hoping they would bring him up on on the 53 after Womack got hurt. They had the opportunity, and for some reason they sat on it, and he's gone. So. Yeah, I feel like they want him to play safety, and for some reason he wasn't going to be – he wasn't in the the eyes of a cornerback for the 49ers. They were trying to get him to play safety all training camp, uh, all offseason, and I think that's the main reason why he wasn't pulled up. I mean, I don't know, but that's just me looking into what I've been seeing all offseason. Uh, but it does suck because I really felt like he was a player that could have made some really big plays on this defense. Um, you know, but when you're talking about, you know, you, you, you know, you're bringing up that, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like the signing. I'm, I'm no, not feeling it. No, not at all. Um, do you want Roby? I would, I would have preferred Roby. <clears throat> I'm not sure if Roby was more expensive, but Roby would give you inside. How much money they got? 40, like 40 million. It makes zero <laughs> sense for a guy that got picked on. And got torched before he got hurt. Like, if you want to go look at his stuff, like that's what he did. Like, you go watch him. He he. It, when when they got Stephon, not Stephon Diggs. When they got the other Diggs brother, that's who they were gonna. That's who the other teams were targeting, right? Trayvon Diggs. They weren't gonna stay away from him, and he just got picked on. It almost looked like having a Josh Norman out there. But I will say this: maybe he'll fit this scheme. He's gonna be with Steve Wilkes. So this can be a, a, an up and up for him. And he's a 49er now, so I'm going to root for him. But I do know his prior and with the Cowboys, he wasn't good. Yeah, I, I think he fits what Wilkes won as a DB. Uh, every single DB on the 49ers is as close to six foot, 200 pounds as you can get. He's you you look the prototype. At it, yeah, five eleven, one ninety six. He ran a four three three forty, but that was a long time ago. He's about to turn thirty now. He's coming off an Achilles tear. This is he's going to get a week in the system, and they're going to see um, if he can be a backup. This is, he's not coming into play. Yeah, this is break exactly. case. And Ambry Thomas was limited. Niners would rather healthy scratch Anthony Brown if they had the opportunity, um, but we'll see what happens. This is just a break case, uh, break glass in case of emergency thing for right now. Hopefully, Ambry Thomas is going to be okay. But with the way in which Isaiah Oliver played, all of this is just backup talk. Because I think Isaiah Oliver has secured the nickel spot until he proves otherwise. So yeah. I don't see Demo going inside anymore, even if even if Ambry Thomas is healthy. Um, it should be 26 out there, who I thought had a horrible first half, amazing second half. And so if you can replicate that type of play from Isaiah Oliver, and hey, back to Steve Wilkes. Everybody started criticizing this guy because he bet big on Isaiah Oliver, and Oliver looked like trash all through training camp, preseason, week one. It was bad, bad, bad. Man, three of the biggest plays of the entire game against the Rams were number twenty-six out there. So uh, you got to give, you got to go full circle. You know, if you were one of those that are saying this dude's a bum, and I was probably one of them, I hated the way he played. He came out and delivered. So props to you, Isaiah Oliver, Steve Wilkes. You guys uh, proved me wrong, and I could not be any happier. I figured it was just a matter of time for Isaiah Oliver um, to come around. I was hoping to be sooner than later. I'm hoping this will stick because, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much just for the most part, a half of one game where we saw him, you know, really come alive along with the rest of the defense. Uh, So it was also a group effort, but yeah, I hope he could really solidify that spot going forward because I wasn't liking the back and forth that they were doing between like having Ambry on the outside and then um, they didn't like that too much. And then they bring in giants are doing the same thing, by the way, with uh, Dory Jackson. So I thought that was interesting. I was was like, they're doing the same thing we do 
where they move them outside inside mm -hmm. back and forth like it's like so, if yeah, you got weird. if you have uh if you have two guys you have none it's like one of those things right so um someone here uh 805 blackbeard asks where's looter jr yes our rookie that's corner. Wayne right there he's still um, in the pup he's, yeah he's still in the pup i think the expectation though is he'll probably come back after week four right like that's he's been healthy for months i'm yeah, telling you <laughs> they, they stashed him on the pup because they could <laughs> yep um and so as soon as he's eligible to return i guarantee you all these little one-year signings that they're signing will probably be gone because this is the dog that's missing from the 49ers defensive puzzle. I will tell you that. Yep. So you know, it was crazy well though because we haven't we haven't seen him though. Like <laughs> aside from his college tape, we haven't seen him in the preseason. We didn't even really see him in in training camp at all. So. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really know. I don't. I, know and that's it. it's fair to say that it's going to be unknown. But I'm, I, I've, his college tape is. You, you were at the Senior Bowl. He was a dog. Yeah. He didn't no, give up any passes. Like that. Like this is. He'll get penalties though. But we're hoping this is what he'll he'll learn to overcome and and the pro level. Any he, he he just has a dog mentality. I, I don't need to watch NFL tape to see a dog mentality. I. Well, let's talk about the other injury going into this game. We talked a little bit about Ambry Thomas. He's dealing with a knee injury. But Brandon Ayuk is the one we're, we're most uh, yeah. you know anxiously waiting on, right? Game After an decision, insane week one where he had 129 yards, two touchdowns, a shoulder injury. Uh, you know, he, he had a shoulder injury in the early going of week two, kept him in and out of that one. Uh, and so... Early on, it looked like he was going to be involved in that game. Like, no surprise. He played, he ended up playing just 30 snaps. He had 43 yards on three catches. If Brock hit him on that deep shot, he probably would have had close to 100 yards and a touchdown, too. Uh, and again, that's like him being limited and not really being in the game all that much. So, short turnaround 49ers practiced yesterday on Tuesday, but it was mostly a walkthrough. He was limited for that session. There were reports that, you know, there's nothing broken uh, with his clavicle or anything like that. It's really just a matter of pain tolerance for him. John Lynch this morning told uh, Murph and Mac that he's uh, the availability is very fluid. He's, quote, working really hard to try and get ready with these Thursday night games. You take it all the way down to kickoff. So, yeah, it's, it seems like it's going to be a game time decision for Brandon Ayuk. Uh, but the question I want to ask you guys. Will he play and should he play in week three if he's not going to be at 100%? I think those are obviously two different questions. I think they're two yeah. different answers. Whenever I hear the 49ers say game time decision, the back of my mind says he's playing. Absolutely. When I hear the 49ers say questionable, the back of my mind says he ain't playing. And so everything that Kyle Shanahan does is mind tricks, Jedi, whatever. And he's, I wish I played him in poker because I know what he's going to do just by listening to all his damn <laughs> press conferences. Um, so I think Brandon Ayuk is going to play. This is a pain tolerance issue. It's not an injury. Uh, we saw him try to play through it three or four different times. I think they go out there. I think he goes through everything. And when the game starts, if he gets tackled and it's hurt, then I think they sit him at that point. But in my opinion, this is just a guess. And I could be wrong. Uh, I've been wrong before. You can ask my wife. But. I'm going to say he plays, and I think he starts, and then we'll see once he gets hit. Yeah, I think they'll kind of, like, manage it there. But I, I, I'm going to say this in the words of the great Ed McCaffrey. Uh, if you hurt, you play. And the reason why is because somebody's trying to take your spot. Now, I know we feel like Brandon Ayuk's that number one guy, and I'm not saying that there's no other receivers on the 49ers that can be that. But listen – that, that's what happens and so i don't i don't think he's injured if clearly he's not doesn't have any breaks doesn't have any ligaments torn nothing like that he's just dealing with an issue that hurts it's like it's a boo-boo and so depending on how well he can play or how bad that pain is uh that will come down to determine on what it's like when he gets hit and he kept coming back in this game yeah and and, and you can tell like he was in pain but it was it was playable now he's had some rest and so i'm thinking that pain is sort of going away but they're going to put these words out there game time decision because you got to trick dabble look what look what dabble's doing 
Barkley is questionable now, guys. A guy that was supposed to miss three weeks of football due to an ankle sprain is officially officially questionable. Yeah. Questionable. Per Adam Schefter, he will miss three weeks. And the coach <laughs> is saying, nope. Two days later. Game time decision. Well, I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because I, I wanted to go into this segment that I used to do, cap or no cap. Saquon Barkley, a game time decision for Thursday, according to the bowl. He says, I'm not saying he's out yet. He's a quick healer. He feels a lot better today. I just talked to him. We'll see where he's at. And yeah, he says they're going to take it right up to Thursday on his status for the game. I call major cap on this one. I mean, you're not fooling anyone. I'm familiar with your game cap on all counts. So I, you're not couldn't even walk off the field. Now he had walk to get off the field. Had to get carried. Had to get. Which I hate injuries. I wish he was playing. Lifted off. The crazy thing play. is when it happened, right? <laughs> it's like game was over and it happened. Um, he's not going to play. But these are the words that I'm telling you that the coaches are going to use to try to get into the mindset of the, of the other head coach. So I'm with you. It's full cap. There's no way. His ankle should be as fat as, as a bologna <laughs> sandwich. Literally. There's like no way he should be playing, but Matt Breida, baby, it's Breida. Yeah. It's, it's speed it's now. Now it's speed. Game. Yeah. So yeah, let, let, let's get into this matchup now. I expect Barkley's not going to play. We're going to see plenty of Matt Breida, um, which you know doesn't super concern me. You always wonder like, oh, the revenge game and all this stuff. But I'm gonna I'm gonna show you something about the offensive line. For, so this is pass protection uh, through two weeks for in the NFL. And you see where the Giants are at. Interesting enough, the 49ers are actually very close to where the Giants are as far as their offensive line. I don't know if I how much I trust this. But, you know, the, the Giants offensive line, as you mentioned, Wayne, you know, maybe. Well, this doesn't make better. sense because let me ask you this so. question. Daniel Jones is the second most sacked quarterback in the NFL. He has 10 sacks. So tell me how a quarterback that's only been sacked four times is worse than a quarterback that's been sacked 10 times as far as the offensive line. It it, it kind of doesn't make sense. It's, I don't know. This is PFF, though, so I'm assuming they're going to add in the zero Spencer Burford grade <laughs> and things like yeah. that to get this data that's kind of like be skewed. So I'm going to go off of what the fuck I watch. And and I've seen Daniel Jones get sacked. And some of the sacks come off because he's trying to take off and run and he gets that tackle. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So, look, he gets sacked a lot. At the end of the day, I don't know if I trust this particular data um, if I'm watching him get sacked. Yeah, well, and, just... and I'll... Go ahead. Please. No, I was just going to say, let, let's just assume that both things are equal, right? Like, let, let's just assume. But when you look at the pass rush of both teams, look at where the 49ers are compared to the Giants. And so that's your game right there. <laughs> that's that's the difference uh, right there. So even if they, they don't have are a sack. equal. They don't have a sack yet. The Giants don't? Don't have no. a sack. No. That's they haven't got one sack and in two games. So that's that's a difference. And their left tackle, who I think is the top three left tackle in the NFL, Andrew he might Thomas. not play. John. I love that dude. I don't think he's playing. I, I mean, yeah. he missed last week, but it's he's a listed. Short week. He's listed questionable again. But uh, I don't. I doubt that. Doing that same Thomas thing. Plays. We call. Uh, we call a cap on that too. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I, I love I, this. Yeah, because these were the coach of the year. Brian Dable for the Giants beat out Shanahan. Shanahan was the runner up. Right. So like, there's a lot of. There's a lot of things going on here. That's all I got to say. And also, their guard is listed with the, the concussion. So he hasn't cleared mm -hmm. protocol yet. They're starting guard. And so that's another <laughs> piece that may be missing from the New York football giants. Yeah, I mean, they're they're not a, a good team going into this one. They, they had a really tough matchup in week one, divisional game against the Cowboys. We, we all know how that game went. But then week two... They played the Arizona Cardinals, who we see as a bottom five team, maybe bottom three, maybe bottom one team in the NFL. And they were down, was it was it 27-0 or 20-0 at one point to the Cardinals? A team who I would have thought they should have never been down that much to them to begin with. 
So yeah, they they come up and and win that game, but they they don't look good through two weeks, no. and they've no. they've played a really bad team and they've played a really good team. So where do they fall? I I gotta imagine they're they're a bad team too. The Giants are. Yeah. Oh, I think they are. Now, if you're the Giants, you're like, look, we figured it out at halftime. We came back twenty nothing. Came back and won. Everything's behind us now. We fixed all of our issues. Well, here's the difference. You're going out there against the Cardinals defense without even Buda Baker out there in that second half. Now you come into the 49ers. You're playing in our place. A little bit different than playing in freaking Glendale, Arizona. Everything is different now. And you lost your best player. And you lost your second best player, probably Andrew Thomas. Let's be real. Um, it's just nothing's going to If the Giants are going to win this game, Daniel Jones is going to have to rush for 120 yards. That's just what it's going to be. And I love this chart that you're showing and on you know the left access defensive epa per play so the higher you are the better you are and on the bottom access offensive epa so the, the further right you are the better you are cowboys and 49ers are in a tier of themselves but also and equally impressive is the pittsburgh steelers who are <laughs> as diametrically opposed. They are an outlier in every way, shape, and form. And a lot of that had to do with them playing the Niners. Uh, Niners just beat the tail end out of them. And so, yeah, I, I love this chart. It cracks me up. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the 49ers should win this game. But as Mike says here, the Giants don't look good at all. That's what scares me. You know how weird this league is. I mean, and it's Thursday. Football and I too, get it. Like you just, you just never know what's going to happen. That's usually like the equalizer, right? Like Thursday night football, all teams come out looking bad on a short week. So there's there's reason for some concern or some, you know, skepticism here. But look, the 49ers should win this game. They just came off of a game where I'm sure the 49ers feel they should have been up on the Rams way sooner in that one. Um, so I think they're going to apply that to this game and they're not going to let that happen again. They're not going to let it, you know, be a close game to a team that's clearly below them. So yeah, I, I think it's 49ers all the way in this one in all facets. And I kind of wonder, will this be a George Kittle game? I mean, uh, shout out my, my co-host for bully ball, Jason Aponte. He brought this up in our show yesterday. Uh, George Kittle has four touchdowns in his past four Thursday night football games and 75 plus yards in three of his last four Thursday night football games. Uh, so th it looks like it could maybe potentially be a Kittle game, especially if Ayuk isn't 100%. He's been quiet the first two weeks. Maybe this is like the game you really want to have like a coming out party for Kittle. Um, and last week, congrats to him. He became the fastest Niner in the team's history to reach 400 receptions. It's crazy. He's no slouch. Mm -mm. Nope. Mm -mm. I, I think a lot of it has to do with this. It, when Kyle Shanahan scripts his plays in the first half and start of the second half, Kittle's getting targets. Back-to-back -back games in the first drive of both halves, targets are going to Kittle. Outside of that, it gets a little rough. Now, a lot of that is the linebackers are trying their hardest to take away CMC and Kittle over the middle, and it's working, whatever else. But the Giants picked up this guy by the name of Isaiah Simmons, who mm -hmm. we know very, very well. Uh, and Kittle has just destroyed that man his entire career. Uh, and so we'll see. Uh, he doesn't. He's not even a starter for them, but he comes in. He gets some playing time. That's something to watch. I think Xavier McKinney, their safety out of Alabama, that's the matchup that I think Kittle's going to get most. And so Xavier McKinney, First George Kittle, that's going to be much must-watch TV. I'm excited about that matchup. Yeah, and Kittle wins that matchup nine times yes. out of ten. So, like, like there might be one rep where he doesn't win it. Look, this could be the Kittle game. Uh, but at the end of the day, it it, it doesn't even matter. The Niners going to they're going to pound these guys into the ground. Oh, I can't wait. And, like, and and look, oh my, God. they're going to run the ball. <laughs> You didn't even talk about the Giants and their and their rush defense, which they're 26th. Like, the 49ers are going to run the ball by any means necessary. I'm hoping we get a little mixture of some Elijah Mitchell because I miss him. You know what well, I mean? I'm, I'm betting Elijah Mitchell's over big this week. I'm just telling I, I you. Miss, I miss him. I miss him. I'm hoping he's back to full strength, full health, and we get that crazy dynamic, the thunder and the lightning uh, in the bottle uh, in this particular game. And the reason why I like – 
you know, Jason DePonte and, and that that theory uh, about George Kittle, uh, you know what I'm saying, is like when you think about what the 49ers are going to try to do with Brock Purdy and they're going to attack the middle of the field and yeah. that's where Kittle flourishes. But don't be surprised if the first play is a tight end screen scripted for George Kittle because they're thinking he's going to be in there to block on a run play. And Kittle takes it for some big yards, at least a first down. So there's going to be so many different dynamics that Kyle Shanahan could draw up for all of his playmakers out there on the offense. But this may just be that game for George Kittle. Yeah, and on the other side, they got to watch out for Darren Waller. He's probably maybe the biggest threat on this Giants offense. And, of Definitely. course, you got to make sure that you, you seal off any rushing lanes for Daniel Jones because without Saquon Barkley there, uh, he's going to want to be looking for an outlet, most likely going to be his legs. So the defensive line is going to have to show up. But I think they will. I mean, Nick Bosa was asked about uh, Daniel Jones and, you know, just like kind of the game plan they have going into it this week. And I liked his answer. So I, I think they know the task at hand. They know they have to play disciplined um, and keep them in the pocket. So I I, I think they are going to have a really good game. Uh, and, hey, prime time, baby. Let's put the league on notice once again. All right. Biggest spread of the week. Biggest spread of the week. It seems like we get in the biggest spreads of the week every week, wasn't it? They're good. Yep. They're yep. good. Vegas knows. So yes, um, they do. Look, one one last really uh, fun segment before we get out of here because I had this uh, this clip. So Debo Samuel was on the. Hold on, let me <clears throat> let me make sure I get the right screen here. Debo Samuel was on the K Adams show, and I grabbed this clip from it. I'm gonna play it right here. And I'm curious to know what you guys thought about it. Here. Here Let me. Full responsibility. That's why, you know, we love rocking this building. Um, Because he he don't make excuses. He take full responsibility for his mistakes. Um, Even though, you know, uh, we was talking about it on the sideline. And, you know, like, we'll want to have those. But there's nothing we can do about it. So, I think that's why we love rocking this. And as offense, as a a leader of this team, that's why he kind of got the Kevin on his shirt. Because it's it's little things like that, that, you know what I'm saying, that people – or, or try to blame somebody else or try to blame something else on it. But he took full responsibility. And, like, that's what practice for. Like, we practice that all the time. Um, everything is not going to be perfect. But um, at the end of the day, we got to win and we'll be able to move on. I don't think he was, like, dissing Jimmy Garoppolo. But I can't help but think that he notices and the other guys notice the glaring difference between the accountability yeah. Um, of Jimmy Garoppolo or lack of accountability in Jimmy Garoppolo and now Brock Purdy, who is owning, you know, the three misses that he had in that game. Uh, so I thought I just thought it was interesting. I don't think is like a diss, like I said, but no, it's no, just no, no. facts. It's just yeah, facts. it's we're not used to that. We're not used yeah. to that. When Trey came in, he 100% accountable. That was who he was, and Brock 100% accountable. That's who he was. But it, Jimmy comes from you know the Josh McDaniels coaching tree and all that stuff, and they don't do that. Bill, you know Belichick, all that, they don't do that. They don't take responsibility. They don't talk about those things. And so it's just a different thing, and it's something that the team has noticed. It's something the media has noticed. I think it's something fans have noticed. Um, and it's not it's not a knock on Jimmy. It's just different. It's different than what you're used to. And so that stands out. Um, I, I, everybody in that locker room loves Jimmy. I don't think that that's an issue, especially Debo. But it's different. It's different now. There used to be a lot of uh, we we gotta execute, you know. We yeah. gotta be better. It's different. You know? It's different. It's, it's definitely different. But I mean, I don't care if it was a yeah. knock on Jimmy. Like <laughs> he ain't here no more. Yeah. <laughs> we got the guy. He's got the it factor. He's accountable. Let's keep it moving. Uh, yep. like, that's that's what I'm getting from it. But if it was slightly a knock on Jimmy, oh well. Yeah, he, he got tough skin and he getting paid. He's yeah, somewhere else. He getting paid. Yeah, he's, he's doing the same thing he used to do it. here. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. He's not worried about it. Four touchdowns, four interceptions uh, with the Raiders. So, but anyway, I just thought that was like a an interesting kind of kind of funny clip, and it's <laughs> not just us. Weird, it's right? not just us who notice that stuff. No, no, no. Debo's a weird interview, right? Like just just listening to him. It's like he kind of doesn't want to do the interview, but he's gonna oh, he do doesn't. it. 
He like, doesn't ever want to do an interview. I thought so. I'm not the only person no. that picked. Okay, just no. make sure. But right. what's funny is that he he signed on to do this. I Adams know interview every Tuesday. It's every money. Tuesday, it's, it's money, money, man. But it's, it's not. No, 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 no. Let me let me refract. It's not just her. It's interview. Listen yeah. to him at the at the podium. His his pressers are a minute and thirty sec seconds. Mm. He's quick with it. He doesn't want to be asked mm. questions. I'm like. You have to be asked questions, Steve. It's part of the. It's part of becoming a star. It's not everybody's thing. It's, it's not, not everybody's thing. thing. It's not it everybody's not, thing. It's not. Just I, like I Bosa is, is weird to listen to. Man, a few words, you know. And then Armstead is gonna give you a dissertation every oh time he speaks. His pressers are eight minutes. I'm like, dude, come on. I love us, though. I love, I love yeah, everybody on this team. That's the duality of like the Absolutely. guys in this locker room, man. My Absolutely. least got characters. Yeah, my least. Th my thing was like, okay, dude, you cannot put CMC and Armstead next to each other in a press conference. I have bro, to cut these clips. That's thirty minutes, me, bro. bro. That's You're a thirty minute. Me. That's a thirty minute presser. Oh my gosh! Oh and my they're God. so I like scripted it. and like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to say. I'm gonna stay in this tone, and it's just gonna talk like this, and it's like this, and it's like this, and I'm just like, ah. Bring the pain. Put in Charverius Ward. That's what we want. We want C Ward in there, baby. Anyway, All right. Sorry. Well, this was this was a great show. We covered a lot of ground. We debunked some narratives. I hope you guys feel better about the offensive line, the defensive line, Nick Bosa, Brock Purdy, all mm. of it. The 49ers, I expect, are going to smash the Giants tomorrow at Thursday Night Football. So, guys... Enjoy the rest of your day. Make sure that you guys subscribe to all of our channels. It's linked in the description of this video. Oh, come to the game. Come party with us at the tailgate, man. Let's go. Us, Blue lot, baby. Us. $40 first road trip. Come party with us. Anyway, go. I'm over here. Sorry, I forgot to put that in there. That's my fault. <laughs> no, let's go. Enjoy the game. Uh, and anyone else who's going to enjoy, like this video if you have not yet. Subscribe to channels if you have not yet. But for now, have a good rest of your Wednesday, folks. Peace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.